Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kicked every one of their asses. The fraud, the messing with me. What's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am. Ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring, which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough? North South Connection listeners, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. We got another pay per view, Judgment Day. It's going to be the J- Day of Judgment for myself and um, Scott Shiflet here. Shif, you, you've almost made it, buddy. You've almost made it through this entire month. That's almost it's almost broken you. It, it has almost broken me. I've messaged you some weird things, and you're like, "Are you okay? <laughs> like, are you having a stroke type situation?" Um, I will say I've, I've enjoyed doing the podcast with you, Jake. It's always fun uh, when we sit and discuss uh, this wrestling. But uh, listener audience, Jake is doing a great service for everyone, including myself, with doing this pod because it's an interesting era, and he suffers for you because I had to suffer through this pay per view. Jake had to suffer through it, and God. I feel bad for those people in 2003 that paid like 30 to 40 dollars for this pay-per-view, Jake. It was like a glorified raw points. Yeah, we're we're gonna break it down, but uh, similar to the bill, this has not been. It, it was shaky going in, and I don't know if this is gonna be one that uh, that saves it. And sometimes they do, but as of late, as they've gotten no three, that's become less of the case. But we'll see. Uh, this is gonna be the last one before the the brand split, I believe. So for the the brand exclusive pay per views, where we split the talent even more, Chip. So it can only go down from here. 
Oh, yeah, Rodney Mack, 10-minute white boy challenges on these pay-per-views upcoming, I'm sure. Can't wait. But uh, as it was, we'll be covering Judgment Day 2003. This is going to be live from Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Of course, they're both brands here. Uh, we've covered the build. Uh, no news notes as a pay-per-view because most of the news will be in the fallout to this. And uh, if you're ready, Scott, we will we'll start uh, going through this bad boy. Yes, let's go. All right, we start with the uh, video package that tells us that we're good that tonight they will come face to face with destiny. Uh, very religious uh, <laughs> themed promo here, talking about God have mercy on their souls. Uh, it, but a good over dramatic uh, WWF opening. It kind of reminded me of when Undertaker came back. I want to say at Judgment Day two thousand when mm-hmm. he had the hype videos with the creepy little girls. That's the vibe I was getting from that. Was mm-hmm. was. Uh, like he's here i was expecting them and then kid rock started to play <laughs> right yeah i guess judgment day it does fit like they're gonna go biblical because you know obviously judgment day man that's what they did here god have mercy on their souls all right hey uh you said this could be like a glorified raw but uh so guess who comes out to open the show scott by god that's stone cold jake Austin comes out to open the show. He says he's happy to be here with some fellow rednecks, which the Carolinas is like, you know, as somebody from the deep South, it's, you know, Carolinas is like, I don't know, as a deep South guy, I think of rednecks as being more from a little bit further South, but I'll take it. Uh, He says that he's not going to take long. He's not going to come out here and cut a long winded promo. Uh, But he says it's going to be some badass matches tonight. He's got his own skybox. And he brings Taz out and shares a beer with Taz. He's trying not to spill it on his uh, on his nice uh, Taz. Always with like the zoot suit, like gigantic, like super long coat and extremely baggy pants um, for his suit here. But uh, shares a beer with Taz, and yeah, it was just a way to get Austin out there and pop the crowd. But uh, like you said, very not something you would normally do in these pay per views. Uh, they're just doing it because it's Austin. As we'll see, I think they're trying to fill some time on this pay per view also. Yeah, um, like Austin coming out, the fans were happy to see him. As someone who grew up in Virginia, I considered North Carolina rednecks because that's below okay. Virginia. And uh, I know there's certain parts of Virginia that's rednecky. Shout out to my hometown. Um, but yeah, I know Virginia sort of like, you know, literally like, you know, I guess they call it the Mason Dixon line. I don't know where that's at, though. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Virginia's not really thrown in there. Right. I guess for me, North Carolina is like, that's considered up north in my neck of the woods. Well, everything's up north for your neck of the woods. <laughs> it's true. Except for like South America, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see more from Austin as this goes on. This is like as an introduction, just get them to pop the crowd. Um, uh, we get a pretty cool set here. There's just ridiculous scaffolding here. Um, had to take someone, these poor guys, forever to set up the scaffolding. <laughs> Yeah, I feel so bad. And, like, you know, people say they want to, like, bring back, like, the special um, the special sets. But after seeing this, I'm like, you know, it's probably easier for these guys um, to, uh, to just set up the main one instead of this. Because, like, if someone falls, they'll probably die. Like, right? Like, that's what I got from that. Like, yeah, you would have thought there was, like, a scaffold match or something. Like, or it had to do with the theme or something. But yeah, for whatever, I mean, it was like to the roof almost like it covered up the entire screen. It was uh, some pretty elaborate scaffolding. Someone worked hard on that on this uh, B show. 
I would say it's a C show. Uh, no, I'd give it a B show because of what um, the couple matches that we do get. All right. Well, we're going to start off with your boys uh, that you fall in love with while doing oh, yes. the podcast. It's going to be the FBI, and uh, they're going to be teaming with John Cena. Now, you would say, okay, well, is this an eight-man? It's actually a six-man tag, um, as Nunzio is just going to be ringside as the uh, as the manager. I don't know if he's hurt or something right now. So it'll be a, a Stamboli and Palumbo teaming with John Cena here against Benoit, Rhino, and Kendrick. So going with the little six-man to open this thing up. Uh, Cena comes out, does his little rap, says he's got uh, – he's in with the FBI. He has the Royals jersey on. Um, he has some good Italian lines here. He says he's going to bake them like manicotti. And he says, somebody, <laughs> your girl likes um, your girl likes Italian sausage because she swallowed my and then gets the crowd to say dick. So, um, you know, a lot of dick jokes from Cena as usual. Yeah, he's slowly taking over. Uh, his one line that I liked is like he says he's got family ties with the FBI's. Said it's like a mafia movie. We'll have them cheering the bad guys. And it's like you can already start to see like the stuff that will make Cena. I'm interested to see where he goes with uh, with his ascension, Jake. Uh, spoiler mm-hmm. alert for you guys who try to not be spoiled. But if you're <laughs> listening to a podcast about 2003 wrestling, you know how uh, John Cena became a monster star. So um, interested to see how his ascension goes with, with that of Eddie's this year. Yeah. So pretty straightforward heel baby face. Uh, just throw some heels, throw some baby face together and see what we got. Um, we start with Kendrick. He dies on the whole pile of heels to start. So it's a nice little hot start. Um, um, but he pays for it as the heels are all over him to start. They isolate uh, Kendrick and start beating him down. FBI hit him with a double team slam. He's a bear hug. Just getting ragdolled all over the ring till finally Benoit gets the hot tag and goes for Suplex City. The crowd's super into this. Nunzio tries to run and he ends up getting gored by Rhino with the run in. And the chaos Spanky drops kick Cena in the neck. But they catch him on the slice bread, and the FBI hit him with the uh, the kiss of death, which is actually um, for TNA. Uh, you know, if you listen to Howie to the Impact, it's not anything to do with TNA. This would be the same move as AMW's death sentence. Like the uh, one guy holds him, and the guy goes on the top rope and does a leg drop. Very dangerous move. Um, makes me but it nervous looks every awesome. time. I s- yeah, it looks great, but I always get nervous every time AMW do it because if they miss time, it they could easily paralyze someone. But and then Kendrick goes down to that. So interesting result here. Um, I, I, I can't say I thought the FBI was going to win it. I knew Cena probably would not take a loss here, but I thought maybe they'd just job out the FBI. But I guess, you know, they're getting a little bit of a push. Uh, it it kind of read like a tag to get the crowd hype, but then you have the heels win. So maybe it's – so it was a little odd in that aspect. Again, I think they're just trying to maybe legitimize the FBI. Um, and I thought maybe they could have given this more time. Uh, it was good for what it was, but they did not get it. It was only about, I don't know, felt like four or five minutes. So I ended up going two on it, but it's really more of a matter of time because I thought the action was pretty good. Yeah, I do agree with the action. It was very um, fast-paced because they, they had to get all their stuff in. Like you said, it was four to five minutes. I was happy to see the FBI win. Um, as you know, like obviously Vince was fans of them at, at the time as well because, you know, I'm fans, you know, 20 years later of it. I thought it was nice. Um, FBI actually did like uh, – I don't know what it's called, but like do you remember the Spirit Squad move where they took like all of his – all the, the mm-hmm. spirit squad would take their limbs and like toss the person in the air and like throw them down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They sort of did that to Spanky, but with obviously just with the two members of the FBI, uh, Palumbo and um, and Johnny the Bull, and they did it to Spanky and it looked awesome. And I was like, well, that's that's pretty sick. Um, you know, Benoit runs through uh, through it all. It was just like you said, very fat, 
fast paced. I love it, the FBI one. And, um, you know, I, I, honestly, I thought Johnny the Bull probably would have taken the pin, but it's nice to see the bad guys win for a change. So I, I actually went two and a quarter. So we're, we're very close. Yeah, so a good little high-energy opener. Spanky took a shit-kicking, uh, bumped his ass off, and the FBI take it. All right, we head to uh, we have Eric Bischoff next up. He approaches Austin uh, there as they're in the skybox, and uh, Austin's getting a hot dog. Eric Bischoff says, hey, this is 50-50, so we have to share the suite. Um, Eric does not want a hot dog from Stone Cold. They're playing this off as... Um, they they play up a lot that Eric is like this fancy pants, almost like Hollywood guy. And so he doesn't want hot dogs or any, like he asks, can I get some scotch here? Um, so, you know, he wants scotch and fancy food where Austin wants to drink his, you know, uh, his Miller Lite and have his hot dogs. Um, Austin finally convinces his, him to, uh, to eat the hot dog. Eric has the assistant pour the the beer into a cup. I like Austin calling him a sissy cause he drinks beer over a cup. Like. Like now you have to not only do you have to drink the beer, but you have to drink it out of a can. So that was pretty good. Um, but he uh he ends up cheering for something and he spills uh Eric's drink. So they're pushing this whole like odd couple thing for, for comedy here. Yeah, Were you yeah, buying the, it, Chef? Mm-hmm. Uh at some points I was. I did like find it funny when Eric when Austin says, Hey, I just made a hot dog for myself, and clearly the girl had just given it to him before Eric walked in. I don't know, it just made me laugh. And um <laughs> I understand Eric not drinking out of a can. I don't like it either. Either it's also easier to chug from a solo cup, as I've discovered um, in, mm-hmm. in my days of drinking. So, like, I don't know about Austin's hating. He's play a hating right now, as Teddy Long would say. If uh, if Sean Kidd is listening, then he has to know Stone Cold would think he's a sissy because famously Sean does not like his beer out of a can. But he would also not like Austin's beer either because it's you know cheap light beer. That, so that piss water, son. Yeah. So. Sean and Stone Cold would have uh, quite a... It would be like this, basically, if they hung out. It would be exactly see, how this segment goes. I would love to see Austin give Sean a stunner. <laughs> right. Carolina Panthers in the building, Schiff. Uh, and I believe this would be... So in 2003, they would be in the Super Bowl that following season, right? Because uh, I think the 2003 season, which would have been this fall, so... Yeah, that that, <laughs> that is that is correct because it was the Bucks and I mean not the Bucks but it was the Patriots no one, Bucks no two. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're correct. Yeah, there it is. That, they're against the Patriots with uh, Jake Delhomme, my quarterback. Yep, Louisiana's own Jake Delhomme. <laughs> His brief moment in the spotlight. <laughs> it went downhill quickly after that. Right. So the building, and uh, we will go on to our our next tag, which again feels very raw, and that's going to be La Resistance versus uh, Test and Steiner. Uh, King actually has a pretty good line here. I like when King throws it back to like his like mid '90s lines and not his weird perv lines. Like this felt like a very like 1996 King line where he says uh, he says that Jr. thinks that Dom Perignon is a mob boss. <laughs> uh, that was a good line as a transition from the FBI, but. Uh, the La Resistance cut a very standard, like, boilerplate foreign heel promo to get some heat before the match. Uh, they start off, Sylvain Grenier takes a beating from both Test and Steiner. Big Papa Pump mocks him with the push-ups. The French finally get the advantage and wear Steiner down with some strikes. They hit a double suplex. Steiner hulks out of it with a chin lock, but then eats a boot. Pretty meh opening, I thought, here. So far, it's been okay when they're doing the power stuff, but nothing too interesting. Uh, Tess comes in. I, I wouldn't call it a hot tag 
shift. I'd call it more of a warm tag. The crowd didn't give much of a shit. Yes. Mainly because they made it this a weird thing where they're kind of presented as a face tag team, but the crowd doesn't like Tess because, you know, he's like a douche. And like they, so it's a weird thing when, when he's the hot tag because the crowd doesn't want to cheer him. So he doesn't get much reaction. Uh, the Frenchman throw the ref in the way as a shield. Steiner comes in to get the advantage back. The ref misses the pin, though, on the pump handle slam. Tess gets drop kicked uh, into Stacy, right into Steiner's arms on the outside. Tess accidentally boots Steiner. And when all this uh, miscommunication, the uh, Lars not hit the French connection, which is like a like a double flapjack move on Steiner. And they end up uh, taking the uh, taking the win here. But that was a very blah match. It was real messy because um, they're trying to do all these interference spots and stuff. No real heat to it again. I don't the crowd's confused because the Test Steiner team is like a weird thing because, you know, and then you have, you have La Resistance who are supposed to be pretty straightforward heels that you want the crowd to boo, but then you kind of have a, you don't have the the best face team because the crowd like kind of wants to cheer Steiner, but they don't like Test. So it makes for like a weird dynamic. Um, and again, it just felt like the point of this match was to push the Stacey and Steiner and test stuff. Um, and I don't really give much of a shit about that. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes La Resistance on the back burner and they didn't look too impressive as like a new team on the scene. So all that kind of an underwhelming match. And I'm going a little under two for me. I went a star in three quarters. Yeah, I went a star in three quarters as well. Um, like they're trying to make La Resistance like this new like team, but like they're getting beat down at all at all times so i guess they're trying to be like oh the french are pussies you know stuff like mm-hmm. that because of the time period um like Tess beat down sylvian and renee basically by himself scott gets tagged in scott also has 69 on his tights i don't know if you realize that that um, <laughs> i didn't notice yeah he had 69 on his tights i had to pause my screen just to verify i got a good laugh and it was like all scott then renee lynn like dropped scott on the on his throat on the rope's throat first and it nearly killed him because like i don't know if he was supposed to take a bump outside but he did and it was just like oh my god scott almost died um dupree jumps off the rope and scott like catching with the belly belly which is nice i like when i see i'm a simple man jake i liked when steiners would just beat the hell out of people um the jobbers and this is what i like as well with just them throwing people around um you know the tests and Stacy stuff has to continue. I did like Scott catching her because it was just so so dumb, and it got real sloppy after that. Like you said, it just breaks down. Like Scott gets mm-hmm. kicked by Tess by accident, and like it's like lava resistance. Like they didn't know what to do next. Like because I guess someone was out of place, and they finally hit the flapjack. And but, but like I said, I, I went a star in three quarters, and it was just like I was just like this match can't end soon enough. It it, it would have been a, it's a bad raw match. Agree, yeah, very much so. And they did the whole thing where Stacy's worried about Steiner and Tess wants to leave and that whole thing. Like the the greatest of great value mega powers, like like the so great value. But yeah, just none of this really worked too much. I'm I'm over the they need to do what they're gonna do with the Tess and Steiner stuff and stop doing the reluctant partner deal because like the only way they work as a team, I feel like, is if they're on the same page and they're just like brick shit houses that wreck people. And when they the what they have going on where they don't really get along doesn't really make for that. So I'm ready to move on from it. Yeah. It's like, please just get them away from each other. Put Stacy with Scott or whatever, like just stop this fake nonsense. Agreed. All right. We got the reporter, Shane Helms, uh, and he's here to ask Mr. America about his identity. Mr. America says that, uh, that, Hey, he knows you, you're the hurricane. 
uh, Helms backs off and they and they shake hands and the whole thing is supposed to be like they want to protect each other's secret identities or whatever, which I mean it was funny enough, but this is another instance of like not something I would expect to see on a pay per view. It's just kind of whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, but I thought it was cute and also like mm-hmm. they're both on Raw and SmackDown, so they wouldn't been able to do it. So that, that's what I sort of liked with the brand uh, right. split is like you would see these people meet up just in backstage segments. Also, I'm always a mark of. Uh, the hurricane saying, what's up with that? Right. I think maybe it would bother me less if there wasn't so much other shit on here. But to your point, yeah, as far as all the backstage stuff we get on the show, that's just probably one of the best. It was like literally like 35 seconds. So it's not like it took up a ton of time. Um, all right. We uh, we head to uh, Eddie backstage also. And he says that Chavo could not make it because um, the injury we heard about over the past couple weeks. But he has a replacement. And his replacement is going to be Tajiri. So, uh, dream team right here, Chef. It is Love for it. me because, uh, you know, anytime Chavo is replaced, I'm down for it. And Tajiri, I, we enjoyed his match with Matt on the last episode of uh, SmackDown that we talked about. So, we can see why he got a little bit of a shine at the end of the match if they all already um, knew that was going to happen. So, I'm glad that Tajiri, he's just been on fire recently as well. Yeah. You would have been excited if... Um, if Chavo was replaced with a broomstick, so yes, I would. Anything, anything would be an improvement. If, if anybody's awesome. noticed on your tenure here, you, it's um, northeastern sports teams, specifically Boston sports teams, and uh, Chavo Guerrero. It's your shit list. I shit on Baltimore too. So, right. So general. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Charlotte, let me tell you this quick tangent real quick so i was partying in charlotte a couple years ago when it was the nfc title game weekend when cam newton was in the was in there uh my buddy jokingly said when i was up doing something drunk and he hates the panthers they wanted to kill me at that bar so fuck charlotte too (laughs) wow we're making our way down yeah so the eastern seaboard here yes boston (laughs) to baltimore and charlotte all right now Shithole Hornets, too. <laughs> All right, so we have the uh, the Eddie and Tajiri versus Team Angle. This is going to be a ladder match for the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Um, pretty exciting match, only improved by Tajiri replacing Chavo. I'm not the biggest Chavo hater, but I'll take Tajiri over Chavo any day of the week. Um, yes. A lot of brawling to start. Uh, Haas uh, pairs up with Tajiri. Tajiri gets isolated after Eddie um, gets thrown into the ladder. The uh, sick press slam on the knee by Team Angle on uh, Tajiri. But Tajiri handsprings the ladder to save in a, an attempt at the title by Team Angle. Haas sandwiches between the um, between those two and, and Eddie hits a uh, – between the ladders and Eddie hits uh, his uh, signature uh, as Tazlo is called the Hilo. Uh, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. If maybe a little bit illogical because it definitely seems like it would hurt Eddie more than Charlie Haas in that situation. But – you know, that's just what ladder matches are. Taz uh, Taz says that maybe Tajiri's going to win by kicking the title down as a strategy. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, Tajiri falls off the ladder and takes a nasty shot to the jaw on the way down. Sheldon, just tons of sick spots throughout this match. Sheldon power slams Eddie into the ladder in the corner. Um, just real brutal stuff. Team Angle do the uh, their leapfrog double team that they always do. That's awesome on its own, but then they use the ladder to do it, which that was sick. Yeah, that um, was sick. 
Mm-hmm. I love that throughout the match they do this, but like Team Angle is working a lot of their like that move, a lot of their signature stuff. They're doing like their normal repertoire, but working the ladder in and using this type of match. And it's pretty cool because it shows. I mean, I guess it shows maybe they were coached by by Kurt or something, or they just prepared because a lot of this is the storyline they kind of build is that Team Angle are inexperienced in this type of match. Because not only are they young, but they're also supposed to be like amateur, pure wrestlers. Not like a garbage match like this is not going to be their strength. And they kind of play that up throughout the match. Which so. I thought was very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good little thread throughout the match. And it makes sense, you know. Um, but they, uh, Eddie comes back. He pushes Haas over off the ladder to the outside. Eddie uh, gets whipped into the ladder in the corner, which that was fucking sick. Uh, uh, my notes say Eddie whipped into the ladder in the corner. Fuck. Uh, so I'll let you know. Mine uh, uh, says shit after that. So me and you were on the same wave. <laughs> wave right. Line. So you get the idea if you're not watching the match. Real smooth transitions to like Tajiri flies back in and kicks the ladder in the corner right into their faces. Like right after they throw Eddie in the corner. Um, like just this whole match. I was just like Tajiri plus a ladder. It's just like match made in heaven. Um, he put, he gets, um, he gets Haas in the tarantula and Shelton breaks that using the ladder. Um, they're really, like I said, they keep playing up that they're not accustomed to this type of match. Like they can't, like at this point they have two and one on Tajiri, but they're two out of sorts and they can't capitalize. So Eddie comes climbing, trying to fight both of them. He hits the frog splash off the top. Maybe not the wisest move by Eddie, but, uh, it was cool looking Eddie and Haas do the slow climb after that. Uh, Eddie sunset flips him off the top. Eddie almost there, but Shelton grabs him. But Tajiri flies in, hits the mist. Eddie goes back up, gets the title, and we have new tag team champions. Um, I love that finish. I thought the finish was so good. It was such a good fake out because you're thinking, okay, they're probably just going to let Team Angle retain because, you know, Chavo's not even there. And then at the last second, Tajiri just comes in with the fucking mist and Eddie grabs it. So crowd loved it. Really cool finish. But a killer, brutal match. Like, Eddie continues to look like a star. I thought it was a good spot to drop the titles for Team Angle because you do have, you know, you have that whole storyline that they were kind of caught off guard because this is not their forte. Like, they're pure wrestlers. A ladder match is not going to be their strength, so it kind of shows that it caught up to them here. Um, They don't have their coach with them. And also maybe gives you some storyline fighter. If Kirk comes back, he can kind of be pissed off at them for dropping the ball. Um, But the spots for us were brutal. I went three and three quarters, Scott. I thought this was a sick ladder match. Dude, me and you are in Simpatico tonight. I went three and three quarters as well. And you can also include that they weren't ready for Tajiri because they have been planning for Chavo. So um, that's just another layer if they decide to go that way. I was totally shocked with the ending. Um, you talked about some of my favorite spots, like, uh, uh, you know, the Eddie doing the frog splash off the ladder, then, you know, doing the sunset powerbomb. Like, I, that was amazing. Uh, the, when the team angle did, like, their special move on Tajiri on the ladder, like, I was not expecting that at all. So, like, you know, we're getting, we're seeing some tag team love. Uh, so in the first two matches tonight, you know, well, the first three matches, actually, take that back. The six-man uh, tag team and, um, you know, and then this match and this match, which was awesome. Like, you can see, like, the crowd's really rallying behind Eddie. That's one thing I really enjoyed about this watch was how much we see, like, the crowd, like, Eddie really comes into his own this year. He has them in the palm of his hands, and this is how he goes from, you know, upper mid card upper mid card to um to to like a main eventer and it and it's just funny like seeing this like even with our uh when i've been on jake like i was i was there when he re-debuted 
beating up RBD after one of the, uh, mm-hmm. after a match on Raw, and just to see how far he's come since then, it, it's re- really amazing. And Team Angle, like you can see that they have it. They're one of the uh, the better tag teams uh, in this gener- in this generation, um, especially because you know WWE doesn't seem to care about tag teams in about three or four years. When you have like the, um, the Highlanders and other the heartthrobs and the dicks and everything, so it's like. All right, but like you see how just smooth they are as a tag team, and like I like Shelton by himself later on, but Charlie isn't able to do that. He's just a good tag team wrestler. So Shelton, them together, it's just you know, like I said, like they become world's greatest tag team, and you can see like they might not be the world's greatest tag team, but they're definitely up there during this time. And seeing them with this match was just awesome, and it makes me want to see more of these four. And hopefully, with your um, with you continuing going, we see what happens with this. I'm very interested to see where they go from here because they have many avenues to go from you saying, uh, this wasn't a traditional match to like, we weren't ready for, uh, we were ready for Chavo, not to Jerry. So it's, it's just, I'm just very interested to see where this tag team, uh, uh feud goes. Cause I thought it would be yeah. over after this and it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. It's a real cool match. If you, if you haven't seen this in a while, I feel like it could go a little under the radar. Cause it's like a blah time period that people are kind of down on. And kind of a not the most memorable show, but I would probably just for the novelty of the the win and the yeah the Eddie stuff has been like during this time period, which could be very meh. It's a uh, he's one of the bright spots uh, throughout this, and it, it's a cool the novelty of him and Tajiri together is real cool. And Team Angle, man, they're so good. Like I think they're low key. Like you forget how influential they are. Like how many teams have come along in the past 20 years that WWE has had that are basically trying to do the team angle thing. And I mean, some you could argue maybe even do it better, but like, like a lot of what they do, I mean, how many of these teams have they come out with that are like pretty much doing the team angle thing? Like, I think you can't, you can kind of sleep on their influence sometimes. I I definitely agree with that. Like you can see they were sort of trying to do that with the um, American alpha, which Mm -hmm. was also had like Steiner brother influences. And that came years later. I'm a big American alpha fan, by the way. And then you can even, um, see that in the presentation with, uh, Mm -hmm. with Chad Gable and Otis, uh, Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So like, it's, it's still there. They, they, they hit it on it again. They've tried since then to varying degrees, success and failure. So, Yeah. yeah, but Awesome match. If you've if it's uh, you never watched or anything or you haven't seen it in a while, go check it out. It's a bright spot on this show. Um, enough so that Eric and uh, Eric Bischoff and Austin were trying to figure out how they can get Eddie back on Raw. Uh, uh, they then pivot to uh, they have burgers. Eric doesn't want a burger, of course. Uh, Austin opens the window and wants the crowd to watch Eric drink. Uh, he's sipping. Uh, so he tells him that he drinks like a sissy. So just. A lot of Austin hammering Bischoff for being a, a sissy is pretty much what's going on here. Yeah, and, uh, Eric you can, is uncomfortable. <laughs> when uh, Austin opens up the uh, the um, the skybox, you can hear someone, a fan, call Eric a pussy for the way he drinks <laughs> beer. All the fans let them have it. Yeah, um, would have been pretty cool if you were sitting right there, though. It, right it would have been. It would have been awesome. Well, it, we'll see in a minute, but. Maybe they were excited a little bit later. All right. We see a confrontation here between, like I said, I feel like normal in the pay-per-views, I don't have, like on the Raws, I'm used to having to track 400 backstage segments, but on the pay-per-views, but this one, like we go, now we got Piper and Jericho. And to your point, uh, Schiff, it is, they are using the, uh, you know, people who can't interact on other shows. Like here we got Piper and Jericho have kind of been sniping back at each other. 
Um, so it makes sense in that, but it's it's just a lot of backstage stuff. Uh, Jericho, <laughs> Jericho starts talking to Piper like he's deaf, like yelling at him because he can't hear. Um, Piper tells him that he ripped him off. Jericho says, how about ripping off a kid's leg? <laughs> yes, <laughs> did you eat it? <laughs> um, which, again, it's just so out of character that Piper even cares. Like, why would, like, when has Roddy Piper been embarrassed about anything? So why does he care if people are like, like, you know, he gets all, like, bashful when he says he ripped the kid's leg off. Like, since when? Like, 80s Roddy Piper would not give a fuck. He'd be like, you know, I ripped his leg off. Oh, no, no. Like, he, and then he, I snorted like, cocaine yeah. off his leg later that night. <laughs> yeah, like, he wouldn't care. It's just it's so out of character. But um, Piper talks about Jericho's parents not using a condom or something. Uh, it was wrong. I don't even know, but finally just both talk about how they're both going to win and like they're both evil or something. But yeah, um, I thought Jericho was funny as in here, but Piper is, he, he definitely doesn't have his fastball anymore. That's kind he of doesn't stuff. even have his 12 to six curve anymore, Jake. <laughs> right. I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, Oh, what about your parents not using a condom? Whatever. It, Great. It was, it was it was interesting to see that there was some payoff to those barbs that were sent back and forth a couple weeks ago, so that was nice. But it didn't have to go that long. But yeah, uh, we're just getting backstage segment after backstage segment right now. Yep, and then we get a a, a video package on the Intercontinental title, which I thought was pretty cool actually. Like they go through all the history and show a bunch of the old title changes and stuff. So that was a fun little uh, trip down memory lane for the Intercontinental title that's going to be brought back tonight. And the Intercontinental title, Battle Royal, that Stone Cold has uh, set up. So our participants, I was surprised. I thought there would be more people in this. Like, we end up with only, like, okay, so we have, I want to say it's, like, eight. We have Jericho, Christian, Booker T, Val Venus, uh, Goldust, Lance Storm, RVD, Test, and Kane. So I guess that would be, like, nine or something. So, you know, I thought it would be very I didn't think we... Yeah, I didn't think we would have, like, Royal Rumble number, guys. But I thought it would be more, like, 15 or something. Like... Yeah, and, I thought they would and I was shocked the ring. Mm-hmm. that they brought back Val Venus, who now feels even more like a relic now that he's no longer Sean Morley. And like you see, like Bischoff and Austin looking at each other, like who rehired him? So like we got Val Venus just randomly fucking showing up with this. And I even have a note here, like from like from all the stuff we talked about, two backstage segments, the, the icy hype video, which was pretty good. The last ten to fifteen minutes felt like a raw, and it was like we shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this for pay per view. Correct. Yeah, it definitely feels like they're trying to fill time. Yeah, Val's back in full on porn mode, which again, yeah, it's like he's one of uh, McFoley's alter egos where he can, like, it has its own autonomy where he can sign a different contract. But it was weird too because it feels like he's doing like a Royal Rumble, like legend spot or something, coming back as uh, uh it's like them fully admitting that the Chief Moore thing sucked. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, how about he's the porn guy again? And but then it's kind of like oh, I kind of did that already. It's kind of past that. Um, Pat Patterson's here though. He's going to award the winner, of course, uh, the very first Intercontinental Champion. Um, Jr. says that Honky was the best and <laughs> was the best Intercontinental Champion, and King says that he's drunk. If he thinks that <laughs> he was kind of on it tonight. I, yeah, he, he had his. Lines. Speaking of like someone who doesn't have his fastball all the time, he had that twelve to six curve working tonight. It was so dry. It was so dry too. He's like honky tonk man, the best. And King's like, you're drunk. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway, Val does this whole little promo. He says the title uh, will satisfy one winner, and he will fulfill fulfill the fantasies. Uh, easy for me to say. Fantasies of all the ladies. So, 
No, thank you. All right, so we get into this battle royal here. We get Kane and RVD uh, actually scrum first, and then everyone jumps Kane, being that he's the big man. He fights out and ends up dumping Storm very quickly. The eliminations are very fast in this match. Uh, uh, they they come back, the whole team, the whole crew comes back on Kane the second time, and they are able to eliminate him. Uh, he lays everybody out on the way out for good measure. Book uh, tosses Test. Val gets tossed by Goldust. Jericho drop kicks RVD. And already we are down to just four participants. So they are cleaning this out over there. Not going 30 minutes in the battle royal for sure. Um, so now it kind of ends up as like a tag energy because you have Booker T and Goldust and then Test and Jericho. I mean, not Test, um, Christian and Jericho here. So like they kind of start working it almost like a tornado tag in a way because it's like the partners going at each other. Um, you know, good action. It was probably smarter than the whittle it down pretty quickly and not have everybody doing like boring battle royal stuff. Uh, Goldust gets a corner ball shot on both of them, and then uh, we get the spinner Rooney from Booker. But Goldust tries to toss Booker, and Booker reverses and tosses him. But now that leaves Booker in a bad spot, he gets double teamed by Jericho and Christian. Uh, I thought the double team went a little bit too long for this kind of situation. I mean, they're just beating down Booker T for like minutes. Um, he finally fires up with them. Jericho goes to a line salt, but being the conniving piece of shit he is christian takes advantage and dumps him as he goes for the springboard jericho's pissed he starts tearing shit up outside the ring but that gives booker t enough time to um to uh wake up he unloads on christian hits a side does a sidekick the flapjack um but christian baseball slides the ref so when he gets eliminated the ref doesn't see it they even play booker t's music uh pat patterson gives him the belt but uh Christian goes to grab it. He hits Pat with the belt, lays Booker T out with the title, and then the ref recovers. He tosses Booker T, and Christian is our new Intercontinental Champion. So um, this doesn't say much, but it was better than I expected it to be, mainly because they kept it brief. They didn't do a whole lot of boring, like guys just doing soft punches to each other in the corner type of stuff. Um, I guess they're trying to make Christian like a, uh, you know, they mentioned honky tonk man earlier. I don't know if they're trying to go that route with Christian. Like he's going to be, you know, the little shit bag, you know, intercontinental champion. Um, but if you're, if you're thinking of Booker T and you're a Booker T fan, um, Sean kid, very happy about this mentioning Sean a lot tonight, but, um, he he's was always in our it. hearts, but Booker T, if you're a Booker T fan, this is just another, Another stake in the heart after he did not win the title at WrestleMania 19. And now, you know, he gets screwed out of the Intercontinental title. Um, but I do think it works if that's what they're going with Christian. as like a honky-tonk man kind of little, uh, like a dastardly shitbird heel. So I ended up going two and a half on this. Again, it was nothing great, but it was better than what I thought it was end up being. Yeah, I went two and a quarter on this. One thing that upsets me, Jake, is like they had like this battle royal and literally everyone but like the four people were eliminated within the first two and a half minutes so it's like why not just do a fatal four-way or have like matches on raw that's like if you win you're in the fatal four-way you know for for the ic title coming back like there's no need for the battle royal and it was just like all right i did like the book dust reunion i'm a book dust fan so it's nice to see them like fighting together uh christian being smart and jericho being dumb when he went for the lion salt, I actually really enjoyed that. Like Christian's been, like you said, a shitbag heel and it continues here. Uh, Cause he's the rock's favorite wrestler. So I, it works for me. 
I, I will say, like you said, they love screwing Booker T over. I mean, look how far he's like, quote unquote, fallen. Like he main events, well, one of the main events of Mania loses after the world's longest pedigree. Then he's in the six man um, the next month, and then he's here. So it's like, all right, don't really get. And he was like a the he was like the extra uh, body in the six man. And like you know, he was supposedly friends with Goldberg there, but we haven't really seen any more of that because that was on my watch. But um, I like Christian being a champ. I like them giving him some um, you know, some shine to to see to get out of Edge's shadow right here. Goldberg is on the show, by the way. We should point that out. Not on the pay per view. Goldberg not on the pay per view for some reason. Your brand new signing. Um, yeah. Uh, good point though. I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't see the point of even doing a battle Royal because if everybody's eliminated in six seconds and you just got the four people just do a fatal four way or something. Yeah. It was kind of, I mean, I guess they wanted the intrigue, but like, I mean, did anybody really think, you know, Lance storm was going to win the intercontinental title? Come on. I just mean, do a yeah. fatal four way. Right. So there's Christians no are reason. Mm-hmm. Sorry. There's no reason for Kane and RVD to be out there. They're, they're tag champs. Like, come on. Yeah, I don't, yeah, not the best execution. All right, we got Sable now. She confronts Tori about being nervous about the bikini contest. Sable says she's never lost a bikini contest. And Tori says, tonight, the fans decide Sable oils herself. So, too, I mean, whatever. It's It was what it was. But too many backstage segments, like you said. I feel like we're watching TV here at a pay-per-view. Yeah, this was... Uh, Jake, this was like some bad stuff I would watch illegally on uh, Skinamax back in the day around this time. Um, it's just horribly acted. Like they're both. I mean, they're not. I'm not expecting them to be in succession or anything, but they were like just so wooden. <laughs> and it's like I'm gonna beat you in this today. And it's like, what the fuck are we doing right now? But this takes up a decent amount of time. What we're about to, what Jake's about to discuss here. Yeah, so we go into the bikini contest. We see their measurements. And again, if you're just going straight into it, do we really need the backstage segment? I don't think. Uh, Taz is going to be hosting. They make a bunch of jokes about how JR was like trying to offer him whatever to try and get the spot. Um, Lillian sings Tori's theme, which I did not know. I guess she sings it on the recording. I don't know. but It was not a good was, song. It was horrible. No, and they do like this weird like elaborate prism dance thing when they're dancing in like some diamond or something it was the like austin seems, powers yeah the crowd seems baffled like totally confused with what the fuck is happening but yeah it's like a good like three minutes of them singing it's just just kind of awkward honestly it's a lot awkward it's like i i literally have like uh table Tori Sable, table. Tori Sable package is all porno music. Is Lillian singing Tori's song? Yes, she is. Lillian's voice sucks. Please let this end. And we haven't even got to the bikini contest yet. All right. Well, we got Sable. She comes out very scantily clad. Her body, uh, as she says, is very hard. She's she's got that right. I, like if you were to give me one adjective to describe Sable, that's what I would say. She looks very hard. So, yes, um, the the music, as you said, is just absurd. It's like, like silk stalking shit. Um, 
the crowd, which this is wild because usually the crowd eats it. The crowd is like mute during this. Maybe they're still like catatonic from that weird <laughs> interpretive dance they were doing. Um, Taz, has his hands are, <laughs> Taz has his hands are in his pocket. So he's playing with himself apparently. Um, so we get Tori. She has what I would call compared to Sable to begin with a pretty conservative playboy bikini. Um, and then this is another thing. It's kind of like a 50, 50, 50 reaction. Like I'm sure they're thinking Tori's going to get like the biggest reaction, but they're kind of split. But then Tori reveals that she has like some dental floss, uh, bikini underneath to take it home. And then they give it to her. Um, and Tori says she wants no hard feelings. So she gives her a peck on the cheek, which I don't understand. And I think they're playing off as mind games, but it doesn't make any sense. They just want, again, you know, they're just trying to. They're just trying to, um, we got, what is the word? Scintillate us. Or yeah, they're, they're trying to titillate us. Yeah, titillate. There you go. Some kind of late. They're lating us. Oh, this whole thing made me wish I was late and never born watching this, Jake. Um, uh, Even Riggins, Riggins yeah, is Riggins really upset with this. That I, he's <laughs> up, that I watched it, and he's upset that I had to now discuss it. Um, but Sable disrobed first. She danced like a bad stripper. Um, then Tori dances and she has no rhythm either. My exact notes are why Jake, why um, Tass says it's a tie. And then they vote again. I will say the only thing that made me laugh was uh, when Tori said she's not finished and revealed her smaller bikini. They said that King has a heart attack, <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh. And then when Tori and Sable kiss, Taz fell down in the ring, which I was like, what the hell are we doing? Right. If you can't get like a, you know, oh three crowd to pop for a bikini contest, something's not because tell you the crowd was really not into it. Like when they came out, the crowd was kind of dead. It's like, you know, it's usually pretty easy to get the crowd to pop for this. So, yeah, it was. And the thing is, like, we see this like every week, pretty much. I guess they don't wear this scantily of clothes on TV, but. You know, you see this problem. I mean, we got to see Tori do an entire, like, softcore, <laughs> like, soap opera thing a few yeah. months ago. Like, this is not really, like, like I don't know. They just keep going back to the well. Uh, and, but, and, mm-hmm. and not going to lie, like, like you know, we've talked about this before. 14-year-old Scotty would have loved this. 34-year-old Scotty is like, I just watch porn on my phone. So it's like, what are we doing? But, um yeah, it was bad. This also shows how far WWE has come with women wrestlers. 100%. But uh, back to Eric and Stone Cold, like the, uh, the old men from the Muppets up in the uh, skybox. They are flabbergasted. Uh, Eric is getting drunk at this point. He's been down the Millers with uh, Austin. Um, Austin tells him to eat some of these peppers that will help absorb the alcohol. It's jalapenos. Uh he ends up drinking the juice and just spits it everywhere. Um, so more antics from Stone Cold and Austin and their slapstick humor here. Uh, I, the best part of that is Eric said he has a condom in his wallet. <laughs> a, such a goof. Which after um, reading his reports at the Gold Club, that condom really was <laughs> in his wallet. <laughs> All right. All right, Piper and O'Hare are getting hyped up for their match. Vince walks in, and he says he wants them to get the job done. He says Piper's always been the chosen one, and tonight he's going to reveal Mr. America. 
And then we get a, so again, I don't get why we need that promo. Cause then we go into this long recap of this whole Mr. America saga. So you get like a full, like three minute video package. So I don't really think we need this very generic promo where it's just like Vince coming and saying, yeah, y'all need to beat him. It's like, okay. I don't think it's not really adding anything. And it's not like anybody's say like nobody's saying really anything of value and you're doing a video package anyway. Why even bother? Yeah, it's it. The best part of that is like Vince just says that Roddy's a cold-hearted, a cold calcul, cold calculated black-hearted bastard. Easy for me to say, but I mean, like you said, like he already said the same thing on on Thursday SmackDown. So it's like we're just killing so much time with backstage segments. Right. And then we go into the match you've been waiting for: Roddy Piper versus Mister America. Mr. America has a chair with him. He welcomes uh, the fan um, who was assaulted by Roddy Piper and Sean O'Hare. Um, Zach Gowan to join him. Um, O'Hare starts interfering immediately in the match. Um, um, he gets, they get rid of him. We settle in on some Hogan and Piper old man brawling here. O'Hare continues to interfere like every 10 seconds. Um, they do the the power belt. Piper works him over with the belt. He grabs it. Uh, Hogan grabs it and goes back at Piper with the belt. Um, Piper gives him the sleeper hold. Crowd is completely dead. Could give a shit less about this. Hogan does the arm race spot that you would think. He uh, he hulks up. He gives him absolutely like one of the worst big boots I've ever seen in my life. Like nowhere near Piper's face. Vince walks down. He gives O'Hara a lead pipe. He goes in. Of course, he's a goob, so he accidentally hits uh, Piper with it. Um, Mr. America hits a leg drop. There's your match. Mr. America poses with Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan stops Vince from coming in for the save. And, you know, that was it. So I went a big old fat dud on this uh, shift, which I rarely go in these, but I just could not think of anything redeeming about this match. Like, it's not it's not even fun in, like, a novel way or, like, a silly way. It's just them doing a really boring, like, old man like match doing really bad spots that don't look good for like four minutes. So like, I, I just don't know. There's nothing entertaining in this match for me. Like I could see no reason I'm watching this again. So I'm going to give it a dud. Yeah. This was a long, like think about what we talked about. Like it took me multiple viewings to get through. Cause I would like watch something and just get frustrated and have to come back. So Mr. America brings out Zach Gowan. Zach Gowan looks like a complete nerd, which I forgot how big of a nerd he looks like, (laughs) which I guess is supposed to be intended. Um, They were working over the, uh, like, O'Hare was with him, with Piper so much, I thought it was turned into a handicap match. So I was like, oh my God, all right. It's a handicap match now, but then it's not, like you said, like, it's a four-minute match. O'Hare is somehow involved with this two minutes of the match. Um, Piper gets a sleeper hold on Mr. America like a Starcade 96. It goes somehow even worse than that. It, it is a dud. I will say they did a little continuation with Zach Gowan stopping Vince from entering the ring, and it was just like, my God, can this... This this is a rough stretch here, gang. Like so that's why like Jake <laughs> what Jake does for us deserves like some type of peace prize or you know you send him cookies or something. We'll get a P.O. box set up for that. Yeah, like, I just don't... And, like, normally I would like, like, silly shit, but it wasn't even, like, 
like they didn't even do anything novel in this or like even goofy in an absurd way. Like it wasn't even like fun TNA bad when TNA does like ridiculous shit. It was just like boring and lame. Yeah. I don't know. Depressing and sad. It's like, remember those people you grew up watching? Here they are 20 years later and they can barely fucking move. <laughs> Guys, good luck. Yeah. And then like the Zach Gowan thing, it's just like, it just seems so random. Like he's just like a dude. <laughs> like They just threw in this. Like there's really no connection to anything. He's just. I don't know. I just don't see anything real entertaining about this. Yeah, we can we can move on to another. Uh, unless you have anything else, I, I don't know what else to say about this. No, it's but, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, it sucks. Um, but another unnecessary backstage segment. We Stephanie's backstage. She sees Triple H and tells him to be careful. So, That's okay. it. Okay. I guess they're trying to get over like that. This match is gonna be brutal or something, but like, I mean, whatever. I don't believe you. I mean, maybe she was telling the fans to be careful to watch their eyes and everything. Because I wish I was Helen Keller for this match. I was, <laughs> I was deaf and blind for the past forty-five minutes of this pay-per-view. If I'm being honest, and it somehow gets worse from here. Not as worse as the bad as the last match, but just something I don't want to see. Yeah, so to recap the stretch we're coming off of, we had the, um, we came off the Battle Royal, which is, you know, it was all right, but you'd have a heel win that. You get the weird bikini contest with the singing that the crowd didn't care about. You get that, the ARP um, battle that we just saw, and now we're going right into Triple H versus Kevin Nash, and we get a very long recap package of all that that's been going on. You can listen to the podcast um, go in the back catalog if you need that. But we will go into this. So Triple H versus Nash. We have Sean and Flair in each corner. We've discussed it throughout the build. They're pushing this as this like big personal conflict. But even though that really hasn't factored into the feud much in any way, like they haven't really talked much about any personal conflict between them. They honestly haven't talked a lot, honestly. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Uh, uh, um, uh, Kevin Nash been stalking Triple H like he's fucking Michael Myers or something. So that's basically all it's been. And we had Triple H be Grand Theft Auto um, Canada. Right. I, I can't remember uh, where they're at. Uh, Nova Scotia, I think, or something. But right. yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, it's just been brutal. And I'll let you get into it before I. Right. Um, and of course, like just to throw another flair, they're in Charlotte, so Flair's going to get a huge pop. So he gets a big reaction, even though he's supposed to be on the heel side. So it throws this off too. Um, um, but Nash jumps Triple H on the entrance. Flair and HBK are already fighting, and they just immediately get tossed. So I mean, like, well, they're gone immediately. So it's like they come out for the entrances, and they're already gone. So that probably could have been the most interesting part of this, and they're already gone. But um, they finally get in the ring. Uh, Nash is pummeling Triple H. Triple H finally gets an eye rake. They, uh, he still can't get anything on, on him. Earl gets laid out. Triple H hits a low blow, exposes the post. Nash blocks that so he doesn't go to it. Nash goes for snake eyes on the exposed buckle. But uh, Earl, um, Earl delays him, and he gets dropped. Uh, we, uh, we get the pedigree, but Nash kicks out of the pedigree. Um, Triple H goes for another, and, get, and Nash backdrops out. 
Uh, he goes for the sledgehammer. Triple H does. He knocks out Earl with it as he tries to take it. So they called it, you know, that's a DQ right there. Nash hits the snake eyes and a power bomb. Nash goes for uh, the sledgehammer. The officials come out to stop. Nash takes him out on the stage. Flair is uh, back out here. Nash knocks him out. Sean tries to stop him. And then he power bombs Triple H um, through the announce table. Um, barely gets him up to like, I mean, he like clipped the edge of it. It did collapse, but he he didn't go through it too well. He didn't get up too well for it. Um, JR says like, of course, like overselling this. He's like, um, he's like, he is breathing. Like he got shot in the chest or something. (laughs) Like, um, like you went through the announce table, like everybody does on like every show of the, the last 20 years, but um, and then it's weird too, because like, are they trying to get sympathy on Triple H? Because it's like they're doing this whole thing like he just got murdered, uh, you know, like like Nash severely injured him, and they're doing like the talking in the soft voice thing, like, "Oh, this doesn't look good, King. This doesn't look good." Yeah, they like, have, like so just like fell from like the 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 top, like they're like he's Owen Hart or something, like <laughs> right. He's still breathing. Yeah, he is breathing. Come on, <laughs> insane, but. It ends there. So it's kind of like a non-finish. You know they're coming back with this again. It's a way for them to set up another match. But, like, the absolute definition of just blah. Like, no energy to this. It was just like we saw in the brawl that maybe less energy than the brawl and Raw, honestly. I mean, I went two on it, like a gentleman's two, I guess, because it wasn't, like, super offensive. But it certainly was not good, and it was kind of boring. Yeah, I, I went two and a quarter. Um, Like, they had hyped up that... Hogan, I mean Hogan, that Flair and HBK were going to be out there, and they throw them, they like kick them out immediately. So it's like, okay, I literally watched Shawn Michaels for maybe five minutes this whole this whole time I've been on Jake, and it's like he's one of the bright spots, you know. And um, Jr. said this line about Kevin Nash when he was coming out that Kevin Nash would rather fight a man than make love to a woman. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I doubt if you asked him in real life, he would agree with that. Yeah, the man that said he was going to eat a little Korean tonight when he was talking about fucking one of the Nitro girls would much rather fight a man than make love to a woman. So, yeah. Um, I did enjoy at the start, like, they were like, this is going to be a garbage match. So they just started them, like, wrestling around the ring for a little bit before the match officially started. And like Nash was just beating him all over the ring. I did sort of like how they were both like, they just want to beat the hell out of each other. They weren't trying to um, like the ref would get in their way and they both knocked the ref down. Earl was doing a little too much. Like he was Tommy young uh, with like grabbing Nash by the hair and grabbing like um, triple H and everything. Like we're not here to watch you. It's like when in baseball, when the umpires think they just, the, the people are there to see the umps. So that I didn't really like that. Um, I did like when Triple H removed the, the turnbuckle, but um, Nash blocked it, and then um, like they fought over that, and then Triple H actually did send Nash into the turnbuckle. Did you notice that Nash was getting booze during this match? Um, I didn't notice, but it doesn't surprise me because yeah, yeah. I mean, we were seeing like his moves of doom and like he, he, hit, he hits like so many boots. I thought Tess was out there because he hit like four boots and like they, he was getting booed on each one. Um, I was shocked that we, um, that triple H actually hit the pedigree, which I thought mm-hmm. was uh pretty interesting. Um, so like he did kick out of it. So, you know, for people who bitch about NXT finisher spam, look what we got here. Um, 
and obviously this is leading up to something. Um, if memory serves, I don't want to spoil it. But uh, yeah, I, Nash just looking like Michael Myers still. But like you're you're right on that power bomb. He barely like Triple H didn't clear the top of the table. So maybe that's why they were a little concerned with like him going kidney first into like that like placard that they would have right there. So that that could be a little concerning. But yeah, the, them talking like Triple H just tore his quad again. It was like, come on, it's not that bad. He's, I don't even think he's bleeding. He might have been bleeding. I can't remember. But it, just get it off my screen. And Jake, to be honest, I was like, yes, the main event is coming up next. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> You're not that lucky. But yeah, th- this match is like, it, when you do these brawl things like this, it's just... It's like it either hits or it doesn't. Because it's got to have a certain, like, intensity to it. It's not even what moves they're doing. It's just, like, they have to be putting across where, like, I'm buying the intensity of this brawl. And I'm just not. It's like they're trying to make me think it is, but it's just not happening. Like, what I'm seeing. It's like when Jeff Jarrett does the the real blah, like, brawling in the crowd in TNA a bunch. Or through his entire life. Yeah. You know, it's just, like, it just doesn't. Now, if he gets the right guy who can kind of do it, like... You know, if you think of a like Triple H and Cactus Jack in MSG, like, you know, that's what they're trying to go for in this match is that kind of intensity. And it's just not there. And so when you do that and you don't have the intensity, it just comes off as like them kind of slogging around. The crowd's not into it. It just seems very dead. Like if it doesn't have if it doesn't hit like it's supposed to, it just get feels real. Just meh, as Sean would say. And this feud has been DOA the whole time mm-hmm. I've been watching. It's just like. It's just, I just want it to be over. And sadly, it's yeah, not. Yeah, the crowd does not into Nash, and that doesn't work either, you know? Yeah. So you got, they, they don't like your guy in here, so they're just, like, sitting on their hands, and they're trying to make it seem like it's this blood, you know, this ruthless blood feud between these two former friends, and it's just none of that's connecting. And so it just comes off as, like, boring. It's rough. So, I mean, that's why uh, Eric Bischoff got wasted, Chef. Because he is wasted in the skybox. Uh, he says he's had too much to eat. And then he pukes out the window onto the crowd. And then Austin pours a beer on him. So, I don't know. Wrestling fans, who knows? Maybe wrestling fans would be happy there. Bischoff. I mean, obviously, it's fake puke. So, I guess you know it's fake. So, you know, really getting puked on. So, yeah. If it was nowadays, somebody would be like on Twitter or something. Posting the pic. I got puked on Eric Bischoff. Or trying to do a lawsuit. Shirt. True, they could be doing a lawsuit. Yeah, that's all kind of wrestling fan you got. Uh, but anyway, that kind of concludes our um, the saga of Eric and, and Austin in the in the skybox. Eric gets drunk. You see, Austin is a redneck who likes to drink beers, and Eric Bischoff is a fancy pants who can't shift. And so he's from high Detroit. Jinx, high jinks ensue. You see, yeah. it's so bad. But they should have just kept the shit to Raw. But it's like, listen, we only got enough matches to fill about two hours and 15 minutes. We need 30 minutes of material, Austin. He's like, God damn, son, just put me in a skybox. I'll take it from there. Right. We need to fill this up. We have Goldberg on the show. We have Goldberg, but, you know. We're going to have HBK for five minutes, if that. All right. All right. So, um, we get the trope of the women being put in the quote-unquote death slot here. Is that going to be... Second from the top, we have the women's fatal four-way. It's going to be Trish, Victoria, Jackie, and Jazz. Um, and this one for the women's title, good energy. The heels get dumped, and Jackie and Trish exchange holds for a second. 
Um, they start pairing off like you expect in a fatal four way. Um, uh, Jazz gets Trish in the STF. Jackie gets a half crab at the same time on um, on Victoria. So I thought that was kind of a fun little visual. Trish gets the rope, so Jazz breaks Jackie's hold. Now she has Victoria. Trish finally unloads on Jazz, hits a Rana on both of the heels, um, but takes a nasty bump as she goes to do, I guess, the uh, Stratisfaction or something, and they just launch her instead, and she goes straight out onto the floor. So It was disgusting. Yeah, that was like the, the best bump we've seen in about two hours. So. <laughs> uh since the ladder match. But uh nice northern light suplex with the uh um with the break up. I thought that was a cool spot. Like there was um a northern lights and then a splash to break it up. So that was cool. Jazz DDT's Victoria though for the win, which I thought was kind of flat. I thought I kinda like what they were doing, but the finish I thought was kinda out of nowhere and it was just like a pretty nondescript DDT by Jazz that just beats Victoria kinda out of nowhere. Like I don't know if they just kind of had to wrap it up or what, but, um, but you know, that's typical good for what they're given for the few minutes to try and work a multi-person match in three or four minutes is, is a tough sell. So I end up going two on it, but, uh, you know, there's some fun spots in here. Yeah. Um, I think it was Jackie that actually got pinned, but I'll, I'll have to go double check. Um, it's very yeah. possible, Chef. Don't, <laughs> the, the, don't go by. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, like, this match wasn't needed. Like, I know that they had to get the woman on the card, but, like, let's be real. I haven't seen Jacqueline the whole time that I've been watching for this month. And I knew when she's coming up. Well, she's eating the pin, but it's just going to be who it's from. The best part of the match for me was when Trish went for Stratisfaction and Victoria just killed her. And it was, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was, it was just nuts. But like you said, like it felt weird that they hit on the DDT. It seemed like it was just like harder moves had been hit. So I just went star and three quarter, and a bunch of that was for for the Trish bump. To be honest, yeah, a Spike Dudley ass bump from Trish. So kudos to her. Yes. Yeah, not much more to say. It's just you know, it's where they're at with this right now. It's what they're given. So. All right, so it's uh, been a rough stretch here. We, we're kind of cooking the beginning a little bit, but it's been, we'll see if this main event can save us. So, already we're at our main event. It's going to be Brock versus Big Show in a stretcher match for the um, the world champion, the uh, WWE championship, I should say. Um, so, they have the backboard out there for the stretcher match. They immediately, so the way they're set up, too, I should say, they have like a yellow line across, like by the, on the entrance ramp. You have to get them on the stretcher and roll them past the yellow line. So, um, but they immediately start wailing with the backboard on each other. Brock whips him into the posts. Um, he rams it into show's face. Uh, show gives it right back to him. Pretty good violent shot so far with the backboard and throwing each other into the posts. Um, show finally cuts him off with a choke slam. Um, puts him on the, uh, on the gurney, starts leading him down. Brock kicks him and show gives him a vicious clothesline off the, um, off of the uh, stretcher. Like he took a nasty ass bump on the ramp on that. Um, Brock fires back at him with the, the backboard, uh, chokes him with some cords. So, um, that was cool. Kind of shades of the Umaga stuff from a few years after this, um, gets big shows, big ass on the, uh, stretcher, but the, uh, the cords are too short. So his plan was to kind of choke big show out and choke him all the way down, but the cords are not long enough. So I actually thought that was kind of interesting to kind of throw that wrinkle in there. So, uh, Show launches him off, tries to recover. Brock hits a spear on the ramp, which is real good. You see Big Show's big ass tumbling down. So some some pretty inspired stuff here. Uh, Show gets him all the way back up into the ring. Um, they start to slow it down, but, the, you know, they are selling a bunch of the brutality they did early in the match. 
Brock looks to be in some trouble here, but he ends up knocking Show off the apron. Um, I thought it was odd, like it in the you know if may not thinking too much of this, but why, I don't know why Big Show would want to go back to the to the ring. Doesn't seem like it would be to his advantage. Because he's dumb. <laughs> big dumb giant. Uh, yeah. But Brock goes backstage. We don't know what he's doing. And then Rey Mysterio's music hits. Uh, he comes in, hits uh, the six one nine, the Big Show in the nuts. But then Big Show levels him. But that distraction gives Brock enough time to drive a forklift down, fucking cruising <laughs> in the forklift. Dude, um, he almost went the front row. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> he's, uh, he's you, have to, you have to expect Vince and all. We're like holding their breath. You're like, I mean, this guy just fucking crashed. There's like twenty three year old guy or whatever crashed a forklift into the crowd. But um, um <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> he gets on top of the forklift, launches off of it. The crowd is losing their shit. He, uh, he unleashes on the big show, hits the F5, puts him on the forklift, and then drives the forklift over the line to uh, to win this. So um, I don't think either of us were expecting much out of this match, but um, I thought it definitely over-exceeded expectations. Way better than I expected. Brock looked like a beast throughout this. They laid this out really well. Whoever like helped them put this together, like whoever agent this with them, did a really good job because I thought they laid out all these spots in a really cool way to keep this interesting. Because it easily could have devolved into like Big Show doing a bunch of boring bullshit like in the ring, but um, they they were able to work in a lot of interesting spots. They were beating the piss out of each other, so it was brutal to kind of fit the stipulation. Um, you got some good visuals with the forklift, and uh, you know there's a lot of some very um, very gifable spots in this. Brock taking the clothesline, um, Big Show eating the spear. Like you have a lot of good stuff. The choking with the cord, so you get a lot of good visuals. So I am going three and a quarter on this. I thought this is this is pretty good. Um, yeah, I went three and a half. This was awesome. Like mm-hmm. like you said, like they were beating the piss out of each other with that stretcher, and like you could hear it, like the flap, the flap, flap. Like it was hard. Um. Like, and, like, Lesnar used, like, the entrance wrap to, like, to kick Big Show. It was, like, they were using all types of stuff. It was great. Um, And, like, Big Show, like, picked Brock and just slammed him into the post. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, it was, like, it just shows how, like, muscular he really is. Uh, Not muscular, but, like, how strong he really is. And, like, then we have, like, then, like, Lesnar just, like, walks out. But, like, they were, like, what the hell's going on? But then Ray pops up out of nowhere which which i like and he actually hit the 619 to big show's dick and then big show of course then has to kill ray again we can't do that but when brock came out with the forklift the man was like a drunk redneck who you would be like i'm gonna show you how we spin some wheels brother and like that's what he's doing with that um and i love mysterio then like jumped on like uh on big show's back and like lesnar doing the jump off of the forklift was great and then we saw that at SummerSlam, jake me and you did because remember lesnar jumped off that that other forklift on yeah. roman reigns so the man like has no fear with that and it was even i think it was even more impressive with this forklift because he didn't have a lot of space to go and he cleared a lot to get to to um to to a uh, big show so that was really cool and i love lesnar hitting the suplex on the f5 and like he put his big ass on the stretcher and he won like i wasn't i kind of expected like him to win uh Brock, obviously, but I didn't expect this match to be this good. Yeah, I went three and a half. It was, I was like, it was great. And I have a note here: not enough to save the pay per view, but a damn good match. If there is two matches that you watch from this, you watched the ladder match and you watched this. 
Um, and also, if you hate yourself, watch the Hogan Piper match. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's just, and especially like coming off the Triple H match, like you saw it, and that was like such a kind of tepid brawl. And then you have these two come out, and they're just like, like this has that intensity that the other one was missing. Like they're going for it. Like, like Brock is he's full bore. Like he, they're like, you know, we're gonna do a stretcher match. We're gonna have a forklift. He's like, fuck it, let's do it. Like. He's he's game for it. He's going balls to the wall. So and uh and it shows like it gives the match an energy because there's not been a great build to this. It like you said a bunch like just microwave and big show, but when it came down to it, they deliver in the match. So it's a fun one. It's I would go for the novelty too. It's I mean it's something they would overdo in the future, but at this time they hadn't done it as Michael Cole has told us in like twenty years since Killer Khan and Andre the Giant. Michael Cole says that about four hundred times in the build to this, but um yeah, kind of a little. Um, I think it's hidden gem worthy. Just for the novelty, I definitely go back and watch it because it's pretty good. I, I definitely agree, hidden gem worthy. Um, like I was like, this is gonna be another shitty match too, and I was just like blown away, and I I I, I loved it. Yeah, and so we in we in the show on that. We have Brock standing tall, retaining the championship over, um, Big Show. But that wraps it up. So now we got to try and rate this thing because, as you said, we do have those two matches and we did have some like tolerable stuff on here, but that stretch in the middle between the, um, for the bikini contest through the Nash match, you know, all that is like pretty rough. The test match, test Steiner match. That's not good. And even some of the other stuff, I mean, it's not bad, but it's also nothing great. It's kind of on the back of the stretcher match and a ladder match. <sighs> I don't think I could even go five out of 10 on this one. Cause I think it's definitely a below average pay-per-view. I probably go like a four out of 10, definitely off of those two matches and just, and it's also not a, a show. Like we've said, it doesn't flow well for a pay-per-view. Like I wouldn't say it's a, it feels very choppy for a pay-per-view with all the backstage segments. And there's kind of a lot of matches on this show too, because a lot of them are so short. So they have a lot of shorter matches. So I don't think it flows super well for as a pay-per-view either. <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm I'm going the same with you on this. Um, it's like, it's it's rough to watch. But if you watch those two, but that's just a, such a bad stretch, going all the way from after the ladder match, literally to the main event, and like it just kills you. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I'm glad we finished on a high note with this with this hell of a main event match, Jake. That's all I can say. So let's put this in perspective, because you know, since they are about to do this and. For this pay-per-view, which we've kind of said is kind of below average. So if next month, as we know, they're going to start the brand specific. If Raw, if this was just Raw, and now obviously they're going to do it differently if it's their show. But just as a thought exercise, the Raw matches in the show, Lara Resistance versus Tess and Steiner. Um, Star and three-quarter match. That's what Eric and Austin playing around the skybox. Blah. The Battle Royal for their Continental Championship. Like, Two and a quarter is what I'm pretty sure what I gave it. Right. And then Nash and Triple H. That's the raw side of this. God awful. And the, and the woman's the women's four way. Yeah, god awful. So that's it's not very um inspiring for the idea that we're gonna get raw specific pay-per-views. Just a second. We'll see. We'll see how it works out, but it does not <laughs> it's not give me a lot of confidence. Yeah, not uh, instilling a lot of faith. Right, so well average show could have been a lot worse without a few matches to save it. Um 
So we'll get to awards. Uh, best match. I think we're both going with the uh, ladder match here. Yes. Um, worst match, Piper Hogan. Uh, I'm sorry, Piper, Mr. America. Yes. MVP, I think I'm going to give it to Brock. Uh, yes. For for not killing the whole, um, not killing everyone <laughs> when he almost drove into the front row. It's funny, like, you didn't realize at the time, but now knowing who he is, like, you're like, oh, okay, it makes sense. They'll let him drive a forklift. Yeah. He's... Like a big old country boy. Right. Um, LVP, I mean, you could give it to Piper and Hogan. Yes. Both of them. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue if you gave it to Triple H or Nash either, because for the spot there, and I mean, nobody's expecting Hogan and Piper to do much, but yeah. Um, so that's our LVP MVP. I think that's it because we're on a best, better show. So, uh, uh, any standout performers for you on this one, Chef? Uh, yes. Uh, Brock Lesnar, surprisingly big show. Um, Eddie, Tajiri, and Team Angle. Yep. All very good. Um, I probably get Kendrick a little nod for taking a pretty good ass kicking. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's pretty much it. I don't know if there's anybody really from Rom to impress with on the show. No one. Yeah, I'd be it would be charitable if we did, but anyway. All right. Well we made it. Um thanks for joining on this little trek here, Chef. Always appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, you know, I'll have to cycle back around again and maybe when next time I get I get a little bit of better um um better uh content no promises but uh i will take a quick second let's plug um together let's plug this together we both um are affiliated with a new podcast here on the north south connection which is going to be linking up luchas would you like to tell everyone about linking up luchas sure yes uh linking up luchas sorry drop my phone uh, as i was getting my podcasts up uh linking up luchas is a podcast uh, that is logan crossland's brainchild and uh every episode uh he's gonna have a rotating group of guests uh the first group is myself and sean kidd the second group is jake williams and jenny smith and um we're going we're starting lucha underground i believe uh Logan's the only one that has watched. Like we watch matches here and there for YouTube roulette, but we're all watching this for the first time. It's uh, for those of you that don't know who Lucha Underground is. It was like a five season um, show on the El Rey Network that has already went out of business and th- didn't even start ten years ago. But it was um, like it's episodic, dr- dramatic, and everything, and it has some interesting wrestlers that are all over the landscape now in. Um, in AEW, WWE, uh, Impact, all of them. So it's uh, it's very interesting to see what 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 happens with that. We've shot our first episode, uh, which was covered the first two episodes of the show. I was hooked. Um, have a little trouble with the matches because Chava was in the very first match. I thought it was a rib, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's tons of fun. I can't wait for you guys to listen. By the time this is dropped, you you have already uh, listened to episode one. Hope you stick around for the rest of the journey yeah it's real cool it's kind of got that like you said at this point it's almost 10 years old so it's kind of got that in between of like it's modern but there's a little nostalgia there because it does seem like kind of a different time period already in wrestling at that time and to see all those um everybody involved there and what they're doing now 
it'll be real cool. And it's also another pod that we have a, a snowball's chance of actually finishing because it does have like a finite, reasonable number of episodes that we can get through, you know, in a human lifespan. So that's it. That's a plus too. Yeah, it definitely has an end date. Uh, but I did look. Uh, season one has 34 episodes. <laughs> So uh, just get ready. We had a lot of fun. This is uh, this is like a spiritual successor to Seven Months of Danger. Um, so if you guys enjoyed that, I hope you guys uh, you know take the trek for linking up Lucha. It, it's been a lot of fun. Very good. So uh, what else you have going on, Chef, besides the linking up Luchas? Well, I also have you uh, on the PTB and wrestling feed with uh, me, you. Souza and Logan, where we're doing YouTube Roulette, which is like Mystery Science Theater 3000, except for we're watching wrestling. Sometimes you just see the descent of all of us into madness, where we watch horrible matches, and sometimes we watch great matches, and we're in all of them, but still making jokes about them, of course. Then um, on the pop feed, I am on Traders of the Lost Ark with uh, Sean Kidd, Andy Atherton, and Tim Capel. That's where we go through different uh, comic book arcs. Uh, we're recording the next one in the now, when this comes out, we may or may not have recorded it by then, so we'll see. But uh, we will hopefully record soon. Uh, and I actually have a podcast which I host called Play While You Listen, which is my video game podcast. Jake was uh, one of the first, uh, the second guest on that, where I go over um, the month's releases for video games, and we go over the biggest news, and I interview my guests about their history of video games. And I can be found on Twitter and Threads, if Threads is still a thing, at Scott underscore Shifflet. So thank you, Jake, for having me. Always, always. Thank you for joining me on this uh, month of TV. Um, so I'll be back very soon, and we'll start the next month, and we'll be moving towards uh, the iconic Bad Blood 2003. So we're moving headstrong into uh these, this next month so can't wait so thanks again sure for joining me thanks everybody for listening i will see you next time on the ruthlessly aggressive podcast
Melhor morro, né? Que mal 